Money FM 89.3, the best of the afternoon update. Money in the market on Money FM 89.3. Welcome to Money in the Market. I'm Hong Bin Jung. Japan's economy expanded in 2023 with a GDP slightly higher than one percent and strong employment rates. Without a doubt, Japan has made a surprising breakthrough last year, and equity markets reached new peaks so far in the new year. And that's despite having faced a stagnant economy over the past three decades. Nonetheless, the continuing of unsustainable patterns, particularly the slow rise in salaries relative To the greater rate of inflation, have sparked popular outrage and prompted fears about future economic stability. So, to find out more about Japan's economic outlook and what it means for Asian investors in the long run, joining us on the phone today is Professor James Lim, who is associate professor of economics at ASEC Business School of Asia Pacific. Professor James, thank you for joining me today. Pleasure to have you having me on. Pleasure to have you on and joining me in this conversation, Professor. You know, Japan's economy has been stagnant with effectively no nominal GDP growth since the bubble economy burst back in the early 1990s. And three decades later, Japan has entered a renaissance, reflecting a real GDP growth of slightly above one percent in 2023. So, what were the factors causing Japan's pickup last year? So, Homi, I think it's quite important to understand the setting that led to the three decades of so-called loss growth,、mm. and a big part of that was a massive bubble, as many of your listeners will probably know. And after the bubble, it was true that headline growth was extremely low. But once you take into account the fact that Japan's real GDP growth—that、mm. is, when you have GDP adjusted. For inflation, as well as the fact that Japan has had a shrinking population base, which meant that on the basis of per worker GDP, Japan was actually growing relatively more robustly. And if you look over the span of, say, 2000 on through till today, Japan has outperformed many many OECD economies、mm. just on that basis. So that's some important context to keep in mind that Japan, in terms of growth, has not actually been performing. Poorly per se. Now, what we have seen in the more recent time is, of course, as global inflation has picked up, Japan has also imported some of this.、Mm-hmm. It has imported inflation not quite as high as we see elsewhere in the world, where in advanced economies it hit the high single digits. Whereas in Japan, what we see is GDP is inflation growth that was in the three or four percent range.、Mm. But what that means is that when we see headline growth of Something in the order of five percent or so. We need to moderate that down by the fact that inflation is also high, and that's how you end up with a real GDP growth of around one percent for the past few years. So that again is impressive from a certain perspective, but at the same time, we should also acknowledge that one percent, a steady state rate of growth, is. Compared to other advanced economies, relatively modest. Okay, then how has the weakened Japanese yen come into play? So all this then translates into the fact that Japan, having relatively slower growth as well as modest inflation, 
has in some ways outperformed a number of other economies that are especially in the region during this period. Mm-hmm. So the exchange rate, of course, is a confluence of many factors, mm. uh, some of which include global interest rate, for which Japan's is still below that of other advanced economies, as well as a decision by the Bank of Japan to reasonably intervene in currency markets to Mm -hmm. keep the Japanese yen competitive. So taken together, that has translated into a relatively weak Japanese yen relative to other countries. Now, what that also means, if you are a global investor and you are taking on exposure in Japan, this weakened yen, once you translate it back into your own currency, will in turn have implications for what would otherwise be much more impressive growth rates as well as rates of returns in nominal terms in Japanese financial markets. I see. Then will this rosy outlook for Japan be sustained this year? So my expectation is Japan has in many ways underperformed. As we discussed in the beginning of this segment, for the past three decades, it has underperformed in some ways and certainly its assets, financial Mm -hmm. assets, have reflected that to some degree. So what that means is that from my perspective, a lot of that blockbuster stock market performance that we have seen over the past year in Japan is really a belated catch up to what would otherwise be reasonably sound fundamentals in Japan. Now, I'm not talking about Japan being this massive outlier when it comes mm-hmm. to advanced economies, but nevertheless, it, my sense is that it had been undervalued for an extended period of time, mm-hmm. and this is just a belated correction. Okay. So in view of Japan's good economic growth last year and you know, peaking equity markets, how will this then impact Asia's economic performance as a region? So Japan, interestingly, is one of those countries that uh, both has, being one of the most advanced economies in the region, has been a major investor in the rest of Asia. This started way back after the Second World War, where it adopted a so-called flying geese model. The way to think about this is that this is a little bit like a peloton that you see for cyclists where you have absorbed a lot of the headwinds before uh, subsequent economies, once they have developed themselves, will take over in this process. So Japan has subscribed to this flying geese model of investment in the region for a very long time. It was responsible for a lot of initial uh, foreign direct investment into economies such as Taiwan and Hong Kong and Singapore and South Korea. And now, subsequently, it has been a major investor in a lot of the other emerging economies. So to the extent that Japan will see stronger growth at home, of course, this will diminish a little bit of that external investment that Japan has had. But at the same time, it also means that Japan would be, as a consuming nation, be in a better position to import exports from the rest of the region. So I think on balance, we'll see a shift away from a strong capital flows out of Japan into the rest of Asia. But conversely, you will also see uh, stronger imports from Japan from the rest of the region. Okay. So what are some key growth sectors for Japan and Asia that market watchers are observing? So Japan has always been a major exporter of both uh, high-tech products as well Mm -hmm. as consumer electronics and automobiles. I think we'll continue to see that. For me, I am concerned, as I'm sure many captains of industry are, about 
the speed with which, say, Japanese automakers as well as electronics producers can move to the next phase of the technological advancement. So for automobiles, of course, Japan went big into hybrids as opposed to electric vehicles. And the ability for many of the major auto producers to pivot away from traditional hybrid production, which they have clear demonstrable strength in, toward EVs that will really shape the extent to which that sector will perform or not. And likewise, its ability to move into things like biomedical devices, as well as the most advanced IoT style AI-driven consumer electronics, that will also likewise determine the strength of appeal of Japanese products to the rest of the world. I see, I see. And then how do you see inflationary pressures as well? How will that impact Japan's economic outlook? So inflation has been a very elusive in Japan. So mm-hmm. if anything, the higher rates of inflation in the past few years has been very much welcome. So the question for Japan actually is a little bit different from the question typically asked about the rest of the Western economies, where there's a lot of worry about entrenching inflationary expectations at too high a level. And now it seems that financial markets are expecting something in the order of 3% for the medium run. Mm. So for Japan, of course, few observers expect something as high as 3%, although that's what headline inflation is right now in Japan. But rather, the hope is that finally Japan will break free from its deflationary trap and see inflation settle down at something closer to one, one and a half percent, which I think many, many Japanese policymakers will be very comfortable with. I see. I mean, Japan's chronic labor shortage has also been a consistent pain point for the country. Will raising wages help ease this concern? So increased wages obviously will help attract more workers into the population. Japan has, ever since the administration of Abe Shinzo, been focused a lot on increasing its labor force participation and a lot of that labor force participation, especially by women. So it has, to its credit, been able to do so by several percentage points. And that is, in a sense, one of the policy successes over the past decade or so. So the question is, is that has that run its course? Is that exhausted? Or can Japan indeed continue to tap on more of labor force participation by its domestic female labor force? Or will it need to, like many other countries in the world, finally be forced to open up much more to a skilled worker as well as a lower skilled worker immigration Mm, Okay, then how can, you know, the Bank of Japan as well incentivize continued economic growth for the nation? So its uh, main contribution now would be to continue its steady hand in the management of the economy. It does have to deal with, like many other advanced economies, central banks, a very, very inflated balance sheet. And so the process of unwinding that in a gradual fashion so that monetary conditions don't get too tight too quickly before private sector banks are able to adapt to this slowing official source of liquidity. That, I think, is a key part. And of course, the Bank of Japan, together with the Ministry of Finance, have often intervened in the currency markets for the purposes of keeping the Japanese yen weak, as I suggested earlier on. And while it is true that the yen can probably stand to appreciate a little bit, keeping it reasonably competitive is also in the medium-term interest of Japan's export machine. 
I see, I see. And before we let you go here, Professor, what lessons can aging economies also take away from Japan's recent rebound? Oh, a ton, because of course, <laughs> Japan has preceded many of the Asian economies as well as many Western economies in terms of encountering and having to adapt to the challenges of an aged or even a super aged economy. So there, the process of understanding how the various innovations and technologies can come into play to try to adapt to an aging population, that is huge. How to potentially have a capital substitute labor, mm-hmm. when labor becomes more and more scarce, that is also massive. Of course, we hear stories about how even in hospitals, you see with terminal patients, for instance, being comforted by a robot. That may be just a step too far for most other countries. Mm-hmm. But nevertheless, the idea of bringing in a lot of capital and technology to help augment a rapidly aging as well as uh, labor-scarce economic conditions, uh, mm-hmm. both of those will be lessons that the rest of the world will look to Japan for. I see. Well, thank you so much, Professor James, for your time and your insights today. Wonderful. Thanks for having me. Thank you. We've been speaking with Professor James Lim, who is Associate Professor of Economics at ASEC Business School, Asia Pacific. I'm Hong Bin Jung, and this has been Money in the Market. Stay with Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.